This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, summer, fall, winter, and spring. Whatever you garden, wherever you garden. This is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's. Grow the world you want with help from Scott's. And a good morning, one and all. The sous chef, Frank Proctor, here, along with Charlie Dobbin, good the Garden morning. Show. Grace is uh, on duty there, uh, answering the phones. Already talking to some folks, lining them up for calls. Well, you know why? Because mm. we were just saying, everybody's still in bed. Well, yeah. Well, who, <laughs> you know, who can blame? That's why I wanted to stay this morning. Me too. It's a, oh. it's a gray day. Yeah. Unless you're in Thunder Bay, I understand it's sunny up there. Oh, terrific. But all of southern Ontario is under cloud cover. And funny, like Damn cold. rain and wind. Yeah. And I had like freezing little snow pellets coming down and then blinded by the sun briefly. Now, are you a golfer? No. Well, you know, almost everybody I've talked to, mm-hmm. that's the first thing is, well, it's no day for golf, I can tell you that. <laughs> you know? Well, hello, it's yeah. no day for gardening. <clears throat> yeah, but it's true. certainly the perfect day to talk about gardening or to learn about gardening. Boy, we've got one busy show coming up. We here. sure do, yeah. and we've got one busy weekend. So quickly, do you want to do the numbers? and then? Oh, sure, uh, yeah. Uh, Folks, uh, give a call to Charlie Dobbin here at AM740, the only garden show in Tarana, 416 <laughs> that's the Toronto number, okay? And and then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I like the way you say, you say Tirana. 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 Yeah. All right. So from Tirana, <laughs> today, after the show, I will be going up to Barrie. Uh, in, in this goes back to what, this horrible weather we're having yeah. and the fact that wonderful weather for being indoors and talking about gardening so or learning up about there in gardening. The shores of Kempenfelt Bay. Hey, good for you. Yes. That's exactly I'm going to. That's exactly where I'm going. I'm going to Kempenfelt Center. Well, there you are. Which is right on the shores of Kempenfelt Bay. Um, <laughs> the um, I was thinking, you know, nice weather. Dip my toe in. Oh like, yeah, Simcoe. right. Not. <laughs> uh, but today, the Berry Club, Berry Garden Club, is hosting their annual gardening seminar. It's an all day event at the Kempenfelt Center, and that's in Innisfil. So I will be going up after the radio show for lunch, and then I'll be doing a presentation. And then tomorrow, another announcement. This is a, a good one for people that can fit it in. And again, the weather yeah. is totally supporting these events. The Scugog Spring Garden Show is on today and tomorrow all day uh, at the Scugog Community Recreation Center. There's vendors, there's exhibitors, there's speakers both days, and I will be on stage tomorrow at 1230 uh, speaking about new plants for spring well Mm -hmm. you've got a busy day lined up i've had a busy week all this nice weather has everybody thinking that it's time to get their gardens done today yeah 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 yeah. and i have to keep telling them people it's only april remain (laughs) calm it's okay this happens every spring we were spoiled though we were spoiled really but it's so funny it's just funny how it works right we go from 
not even looking at our gardens or our yards to wanting it all and wanting it now. Now. <laughs> and people like me are in great demand because, as you know, one of the things I do is I do consulting, private consulting, yeah. for homeowners typically, whether it's garden design consulting or horticultural consulting. I go on-site to people's homes, spend time with them, find out what their dreams are, and then give them a, a, a drawing or a list of things that they can uh, fulfill with a little bit of labor and me. Charlie Dobbin, the dream maker. Exactly. She's here at AM740, <laughs> and you can reach her. Now, that's dream a good weaver, point. Yeah, why, yeah. why to pass along your uh, email address? Mm-hmm. Good point, yep. Because folks might want to say, hey, Charlie, you want to come to my place? That's so good it's C. Dobbin, that's C-D-O-B-B-I-N at am740.ca. Excellent. That's correct. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm not just a pretty face. No, uh, you're no. sharp. <laughs> oh, oh. Why, you're the sous chef. <laughs> hey, listen, I saw a yeah. good thing in the paper um, yesterday's uh, Toronto Star newspaper. Uh-huh. In the living section, they have something called the docks, referring not to a dock in the lake, but the doctors. And they, they were doing a whole little blather on uh, preventing knee pain. Mm-hmm. So that kind of grabbed my eye because, you know, knee pain is something I think is the first pain we typically start feeling as we get a little older, whether it's going up and down the stairs or yeah. bending in and out of the garden and it was interesting because there's a just a thing about plants and plant therapy and the importance of having green in your life to stay healthy and and quality of life but there's a little thing I wanted to share that says lengthen your life gardening probably has added years to the longest lived people in the world Okinawans whose men typically live to an age of uh, the age of 78 and women to age 86 have a long tradition of working with soil so you see, it's not just soil, but you know, obviously the nurturing, the creativity, yeah, the getting you're dirty. Out there, you're getting, you're active. Makes people happy. Yeah. But if you're still having knee pain anyway, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if all that, all that up down isn't sorting things out for you, you can use Sierra Cell. Of course. Which you've been using. Absolutely. And as you know, my mother's been using. Oh, yes. Frisky. <laughs> my, my frisky mother is using. And my sister-in-law heard me last week talking yeah. about, I saw my sister-in-law after the show last week. And she goes, what's your, what's your, you know, your mom, her mother-in-law taking that's making her so frisky? I want some of that stuff. <laughs> so I gave her a bottle. So now my sister-in-law is trying Sierra Sil. So we're all, everybody's out there looking to, to loosen up the joints, sure. keep active, because it all starts with, you know, slowing down is where it all starts. So don't slow down. <laughs> keep going. And Sierra Sill can keep you going. For more information, uh, 1-877-JOINT-14. If you wanted to order some or ask any questions, there's people there to answer the phone or the website, www.sierrasil.com. There you go. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, your exclusive source for gardening advice, sponsored by Scott's, makers of EcoSense Natural Lawn Fertilizer. And Frank Proctor saying hello to our first caller this morning, in from Toronto, Innes. Hello, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. Good morning. Yeah, I have a question about Mandevilla. Mm-hmm. I managed to overwinter two plants in the house. Mm-hmm. One it has a much bigger leaf, and this is fine, and the other one has a smaller, shinier leaf. Mm-hmm. Would that be Diplodenia? Yes, exactly. And it has, like the old plant, all the old leaves, they just dried up. On the one with the, sh- the smaller, shiny leaves? Yeah. Uh, okay, so... What and now it has an awful lot of new shoots. I mean, they're just like tentacles all mm-hmm, around. Mm-hmm. 
What do I do with them? Well, uh, first of all, when you say you overwintered them, what, was it in a dark spot or a bright spot? No, no, no in the bright window. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So that you've kept them, they haven't gone dormant or semi-dormant. No, you've no, kept them going. No, what no. I would do with both those plants is now get out my pruners and I would prune them back. Uh, and particularly if you've got a lot of branches or stems with no growth on them at all, or you've got little skinny, scraggly bits of green growth, particularly at the tips. Well, the leaves are quite fine, but it's just that the, they are so long, you know, they're like the tentacles, you know. <laughs> they catch you when you pass. The leaves? Uh, no, 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 no. The, they're, 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 the branches. Yeah, the branches. Oh, well, of course, because it's a vine. Yeah, yeah. So do you have a trellis in the pot? Something for yes, the... I do. Okay, so part of your job is to show the plant what to hold on to so it doesn't grab you or the <laughs> curtains. Don't cut them off. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Well, uh, you can take the tips off because by oh, taking just, just the tips, because uh-huh. you'll force some side yeah, some branches. Of them, <clears throat> some of them have dried up. Some, okay. some tips. Yeah. Well, certainly remove anything that's dry and brown. Mm-hmm. Um, do cut back the green tips just by you know a quarter of an inch, half yeah. an inch. Mm-hmm. Force some side branching, which will keep the plant more dense and compact. Yeah. And train the plant to stay on the trellis. Yeah. Well, just that's, that's round and round. Yeah. Yeah. And you, obviously, it's time to fertilize consistently once a month as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, and keep it in the sun. Prepare oh, to go oh, outside yes. in the next few weeks. I'm waiting for the really nice weather. Yeah, yeah aren't we all? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It is. It is coming. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you your so call. Much. Thank you. And uh, appreciate that. Uh, forgot to give out the mantra. The our mantra. The this mantra. Yes. Call early. Call often. One question per call. That's there. It. Now I've done that little job. Uh, well on to said. the second caller here <laughs> from Mississauga. Suzanne, hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We grow Egyptian onions, which we use like green onions. Uh-huh. The problem is, is that after a while, the tops go yellow from the top down, right. and there are t- some tiny black spots on them. On the bulb or on the green? No, on the green. You know what? They're, I mean, little tiny black spots. That Okay. They start to yellow off. From the top down, yep. But isn't it about midsummer when they start no, to do that? they do it oh, um, right as soon as it gets a little warmer. So right now, actually, it's way too early now, but mm. it's actually starting to do it now. Oh, really? You know what? I'd have to look that up. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is onion maggot, but it can't be onion maggot cause no, because that's a soil. No, because on the bottom. They yeah. come back every year, but... They simply started to do this now. Well, um, when was the last time you moved your crop, as in rotated it? Those ones, well, they're in different spots. So okay. we've already put in new ones in another spot, and they do it there, too. Right. Um, like I say, I'm going to have to look that up. Unless somebody want, will call and, and have a suggestion, has the same experience, the bottom line is that you want to eat the greens, and yeah. when they all get all yellow and speckled, they're not very edible. No. So what can you do to maintain them as green plants? Now, you don't see any evidence of insects at all. No, none at all. <clears throat> but I'm inclined to think there's something soil-borne mm-hmm. that is affecting the onions, and of course... Once it's everywhere in your soil, it's everywhere in your... Have you considered changing the variety of onion? Try bunching onions? No, we actually like these because they come up every year. Oh, okay. Oh, so you don't have to replant. Exactly. And we don't use them as onions. We simply use them for the green, for the like greens. for the tips, as right. green onions. Would you consider growing chives instead? We have chives. Okay. We've but got chives, oregano, lovage, tarragon. We're not going to shake you from that Egyptian onion, though, are we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, t- it tastes different, does it? <clears throat> no, it's just that because they come up every yeah, year, yeah, it's so a, you don't have to replant them every year. 
Well, no, I mean, they taste different from chives, because, of course, chives come yeah, up every so. year as well. Yeah, they taste more like green onions versus the chives. Which is you more. have the normal chives and right. then the garlic chives exactly. as well. My, you do like your fla- your culinary <laughs> flavors. That's good. I like that. All right, well, let me see what I can find out about what might be happening with those onions. And if I don't have a report by the end of this show, I'll come back with something for next show. Okay, thank All you right. very much. Thanks, Sally. Suzanne. It reminded me of a marvelous article I saw about a mutual friend of ours, uh, mm-hmm. John Velo in mm-hmm. the Hamilton Spectator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses onions to dye yarn. I'll tell you more about it in my show later on. Well, you know, and you, well, we could just briefly mention John Vallow is somebody who is well known in Southern Ontario. He wrote yeah. the Perennial Book, and he's a good friend of your family yeah. because he's a highly talented artist as well, and has done work with dye. Yeah, John's really retired from the horticultural business and is gotten into fibers and dyeing and weaving to the point where he's even op- turned his home into a retail shop. Beautiful shop uh, in, in uh, Jordan. We in, were out there a couple of weeks ago. And it's called yes. The Fiber Garden. He yeah. has a, a website, The Fiber yeah. Garden. And I think it's, it is, inter- he's a great guy. He's very interesting. Helps me out at Canada Blooms every year. Yeah. So I think I'll better give him a call and get, see if he'll okay. come on the show and tell us about what's going on in, with his fibers and his dyeing, oh, oh, his a, onions. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, he boils up the onions and gets yellow all sorts of shades yeah, of yellow yeah. out of it. There and I are. understand it smells really bad when you do all this boiling <laughs> of things. <laughs> oh, really? Well, well, oh, I guess Maybe so. not onions necessarily. Yeah. Maybe some of the other things he boils. Well... I know yeah. his partner has, has suggested he might want to move out with that <laughs> boiling pot on a few times. <laughs> <laughs> more, more about Mr. Velo a little later on. We've got our work cut out for us here, getting to all our uh, callers. And we'll be back, as a matter of fact, to have a chat with Chuck in Mississauga after these words. Southern Ontario, Western New York, wherever you're tuning in. This is your place for everything garden. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, makers of Turf Builder Easy Seed. 9.24 on a rather chilly Saturday morning, but we're warming things up here in the garden. Uh, Let's uh, get to Chuck and say (laughs) hi to him in Mississauga. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Good. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Charlie. I have a simple question. Mm -hmm. Is a tomato a vegetable? Or a fruit? Is a tomato a vegetable or a fruit? Um, I'm going to let the sous chef of the garden answer that question because I think he know he has a pretty strong opinion on the answer. Yes, I do, and I I do believe after intensive research that <laughs> it is a fruit. Is that not correct? A tomato is botanically a, fruit. a tomato is a fruit because it is it holds the seeds. It it is what happens after a flower is pollinated. The f- fruit grows and the seeds are inside the fruit. But I was just saying to Frank, and I don't remember the details, but I remember there was some lawsuit where some judge had to declare whether tomatoes were fruits <laughs> or vegetables. And I don't know why that was. It was, you know, years and years ago. And at the time, that was the bottom line. Was It, it's a, it fits into the vegetable category, but vegetables are more traditional things like lettuce, which are leaves, or celery, which are stems, or potatoes, which are roots, right? But tomatoes are botanically their fruit. Oh, there you go, Chuck. Did that surprise you? Or, or how come this question came up? You got a bet with somebody? Yes. <laughs> Did you win? No. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry to have lost your money. I can be bought and, and, and declare it a vegetable, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know which is cheaper because this is just a round of drinks. Oh, well. Oh, oh well. Are you that cheap? Uh, well, and I drink zombies, so there are about seven liqueurs. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, buy me a beer sometime. That'd be wonderful. Thanks a lot, Chuck. Okay. Thanks, okay. Chuck. <laughs> Enjoy oh, that. That's fun. Enjoy uh, losing. Uh, Got to have the drink. That's exactly. Okay. Yeah. Gail in Brantford's on the line. Good morning, Gail. 
Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? Uh, very good, thanks. Uh, I have a problem with the Mandevilla. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me. I bought it in last summer, mm-hmm. or um, last fall, mm-hmm. and uh, it grew. I put it in a sunny window, and it grew, and it grew, and it went up past, uh, way past the trellis that I had in it, and I cut it back, mm-hmm. and then it started to grow again, so I cut it back, but I noticed um, the leaves uh, were sticky. Oh, yeah. And the stem was sticky, and then I started to examine uh, some of the leaves, and they would curl, mm-hmm. and there was a little, um, like a cocoon in there or something. Okay, what color was it? Uh, what color was the... The little cocoons you were yeah, seeing? Yeah, just uh, a white color. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, well, I'll spray it with Endol. Mm-hmm. Followed uh, the instructions on the bottle. Mm-hmm. Took it outside there on last week on... When we had a hot day, yes, and I uh, did that on my mandevilla and also my hibiscus because the same thing seemed to be going through these plants. I have too many plants. <laughs> yep. And so anyway, <clears throat> after the the uh, end all dried and whatnot, I left it for a few days, and I thought, well, I better bring that in now because we're going to have some cool weather. Mm-hmm. So uh, I give it a good wash outside with. Um, uh, standing water. Yep. I always have bottles of standing water, so I don't use the cold water okay. out of the tap. Yep. And I give it kind of a, a wash, poured it right over the top, so maybe the, some of the sticky stuff were hard. The leaves were very hard and crispy. Sure, yep. And so now I bought it in. Mm. Now, would I have to do that again? Like, okay. So, okay, so here's here's my question for you. Um the, you probably will have to do it again because it sounds to me like what you had on the mandevilla and potentially on the hibiscus is an insect called mealy bug. So M- I see it the way. Uh, you will. Well, you see that little white fuzzy looks like little tiny bits of cotton balls. Uh, you'll yep. see those in the uh, where the leaf joins the stem or wherever there's a crotch between, uh, you know, the angle between leaves or or stems. Uh, these little white guys will congregate little puff balls of what, like I say, looks like cotton cotton balls. Charlie, I I only seen I examined this plant with a mi- uh, microscope and I only seen the one curled leaf. And, um, but everything was sticky and the leaves were crispy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It must be the uh, end all, maybe? Um, the end all, if you, well, you said you followed the instructions. Yes. So that's important. When you do spray with something like end all, we don't do it, you know, in, with the sun on the plant. Right. And I think typically it says leave the spray on for a, an hour or so. In your case, you left it on for longer than an hour or so, but it shouldn't be a huge problem. For now, what you what you need to do is trim off anything that's brown and crispy. So cl- clear that out. And when you're doing that trimming of brown, crispy stuff, Organize that all into a bag and remove it from the property. Do not yes, keep right. any of that material on, you know, to compost or anything. Yes. At that point, again, do a really clear examination on the plants. Look for any unusual bumps, protuberances, colors, yes. uh, any of the insects that can cause problems and leave that sticky residue. W- may have survived the spray in the form of an egg. So okay. could still hatch and could still cause problems. So that's why you may have to spray again, and I probably would spray again on principle, just like you did. Take the plants outside next week, you know, give a good 7- to 10-day interval, 
Take the plants outside at that point. Again, trim off anything that's brown or sticky and then start spraying and, you know, follow the instructions, wash off the end all. It should work fine, though, because I, I've had the exact same problem happen at my house. and I'm monitoring a situation on a hibiscus, and I think it's all going to be solved just okay. by maintaining a spraying schedule. So just uh, when I spray it next time, mm-hmm. I, instead of leaving it, it must be about 10 days ago I've done it. Okay. So I give it a bath about four days ago, okay. like meaning with that warm water, you know, tepid water. Sure. Um, and I washed that off. It seemed to look pretty good, but I bought it back in the house, and then I started to prune it again. Okay. And uh, I think I pruned. Now it uh, seems to be growing, and I'm feeding it. Good. It's all sounds perfect what you're doing. Just stay on top of that trimming. Uh, and I would prefer that you do it outside just because you don't want to bring bugs inside. No, no, no. I do it outside. So, yeah. So just wait till the weather's a little nicer after the weekend and then okay. take it out and do another spray. And then how long should I leave it on before I wash it off? Uh, it will tell you on the instructions. I believe it suggests you wash it off about 24 hours later. Okay, that's fine. And I thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Gail. you, Gail, for joining Charlie Dobbin here at AM 740. We have a special guest. Yes, we do. We have Glenn Martin joining us from the Scots Canada Corporation. He's the brand new director of marketing, and he has a very, very exciting piece of information to share with us. No kidding. Yeah. We're getting a scoop here? We what? are. Good, good morning, hey. Glenn. Morning. How are things? Very good. How are you? Excellent. We haven't spoken since last summer. Well, we're a little early this year. Last year, we're live remote from the soccer field. so uh, <laughs> That's right. And, and the uh, season hasn't started season yet, hasn't I guess. hasn't started yet, no. <laughs> but it has been a bit of an early season, I oh, think. Oh, it's been a fantastic season for... Uh, lawn and garden enthusiasts this year. It sure has. The gardens are growing. The lawns have greened up beautifully and are almost ready to be mowed in my neighborhood. Yep. Now, uh, just before the show, uh, Charlie said to me, well, I think you're going to enjoy hearing from Glenn from Scott. I said, was it? Oh, wait, wait. He's Top got some secret. big news here. He sent me an email at yeah. midnight last night. Yeah, at midnight last night. <laughs> this, this is truly uh, hot off the press. So you're, uh, you are getting a scoop here. All right. So what's the big news from Scott's? Well, after eight years of of product development, uh, we have just got the approval from the federal government for a new uh, selective herbicide. Mm-hmm. So in Ontario, as everyone is aware, that things like Killex have been now taken off the market, so there's nothing available for you in Ontario to spray for weeds on your lawn and uh, still not, uh, not, not harm the lawn. Right, which is what a selective herbicide does. It exactly. selectively kills broad-leafed weeds or plants within so we are proud to be able the to turf. Launch. It's a new product called Weed Be Gone. Weed Be Gone. I'm writing that down. it will be down. approved for use in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually made from iron. It's, it's a very simple product, and it's, it's, it's amazing how it works, and it will kill broad-leaf weeds in your lawn and will not, not harm the lawn at all. And it, like I said, it will be available for use in Ontario. We're probably about four or five weeks away from it showing up on shelves, but it's, uh, it's a huge announcement. It's, it's a lot of years of work, and uh, you know, as we worked with the governments transitioning out of some of the conventional pesticides, uh, you know, in anticipation, we are you know working on on solutions for for mm-hmm. consumers. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, this is this is pretty big news. It's exciting because people wow. have been going crazy with all the well, the creeping Charlie, the dandelions, the the gosh, all kinds of things. Black medic. Uh, yeah, what, and what are you doing? You know, you, you can't pull it those... by hand. All they could do yeah, is pull it yeah. by hand. Well, so that's fabulous. So so okay. So is this a, a liquid spray, Glenn, yeah, or so is it's it a powder? A use spray. So it's similar formats that that people are used to using mm-hmm. in a, like a 790-milliliter bottle all the way up to a 4-liter, different sizes, and it's just basically spray it on the weed, 
And the, the amazing thing is how fast it works. I mean, you will start seeing results in like 24 hours. Wow. What happens is the weed will, it's a different mode of action than what, they're, what people are used to seeing. So what will happen is the weed will basically turn black, mm. almost like oxidizes from, from, the, uh, from the iron. Basically, the iron gets into the cell structure of the weed mm-hmm. and kills it from the inside, mm-hmm. and it'll just go all black and sort of shrivel up, and, and within a couple of days, it'll disappear. Wow. Just just turn to dust and disappear. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. The the, the lawn around the weed will will darken a little bit, and mm-hmm. it's just you know it, iron acts as a fertilizer. Yes, well, so I was going to say it's a nutrient. Darkens the green around the weed, and eventually it'll just uh, just turn back to the same color as the lawn was before. And of course, it'll be important that if people are killing big patches of weeds, that they go back and do some top dressing and some overseeding to fill the patches. Oh, exactly. Before more it, weeds it, move it, in, you know, because it will leave. You know, if, if it's if it's a large, large dandelion or whatever, and once that dies, it will leave some some bare spots. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you will need to go back and and repatch. And the root doesn't survive; it kills root and all. Yeah, it'll. Uh, I mean, you may have. I mean, with any even with any type of mm-hmm. herbicide, with, you know, with some large, well-established weeds, you may see some regrowth. Mm-hmm. You know, in four or five weeks, potentially. Uh, but but generally speaking, uh, once it's gone, it's gone. Well, this is a massive announcement, really, because yeah. you think of all the companies like like yours who have been, you know, working at this. It's not one of those eureka moments, you know, in, yeah. some mad scientist in the lab. You guys have been that for eight years, you're oh, saying? Yeah, yeah it's, it's been in development for about eight years, and so it's it, it is a it is sort of been, you know there's there's the two holy grails of of uh, replacement products that we're working on have been weeds in the lawn and, and grubs. So grubs were still not there. It's it's it, it's going to be a, it's a challenge to find sort of natural or naturally derived type products that will be systemic and, and, and stay under the, under, the, under the grass to go after the grass. But I mean, that's our next challenge that we've got our, all of our uh, PhDs down <laughs> in our, our R&D our department working on. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of, because the, the nematodes are something that we use, for example, people are experiencing grub problems now. And there's nothing they can do about the grub problems now. They have to wait for the next generation of grubs and treat them with nematodes at the end of the summer. Yeah, and, and I mean that is the, the options. And it, the you know problem with nematodes is I mean it, it, when you get it right, it, it'll work. Right. But it is a very finicky situation where you're getting the right temperature mm-hmm. and the right levels of moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know it it is it is uh, kind of a hit and miss easy. sort of thing. It's just yeah. going out and spraying, unfortunately, like like some of the products of the past. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things you guys are, because I was going to share with you, Glenn, I do have an email, and it's exactly on that subject of, uh, dear Charlie, we really need your help. We have a problem with cinch bugs, leather jackets, raccoons, and everybody else who has got together and decided to wreck our lawn. Uh, And this is an email from a week or so ago. We tried nematodes last year, replacing grass and doing everything we were told. However, it's still an unsightly mess. And then he asks about doing a clover replacement lawn as a way to deal with, with the, you know, these bugs and, and pests that are... Because that's the, I, I have neighbors who, they're saying, my lawn looks like the raccoons, the yeah. skunks, the birds. They're in there every <laughs> night. They're ripping my lawn up. What do I do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a challenge. It uh, is. They're really, unfortunately, you know, uh, the, the tools that were available are no longer available. And so at this point, there really is not a lot uh, you can do other than trying to maintain the the strongest healthiest turf to mm-hmm. be able to withstand you know you know <clears throat> bug damage as well as mm-hmm. as the occasional critter that comes out and and, yeah. and 
tries to take hold of the of your lawn. Has a smorgasbord <laughs> at night. So absolutely. So that's where the other important things that come in, because obviously we want to keep weeds out of our lawn as much as possible. We want to keep bugs out of our lawn. So it does come down to a healthy, you know, healthy practices with lawn care. Yeah, good soil. You know, uh, it, the message is starting to, to get out. Mm. We've been talking about it for for the last couple of years. It's really the idea of multiple feedings, and mm. it's you know the simplest thing that you can do is to, to, you know, once you start that feeding in the spring, feed every other month to really help thicken it up. Mm-hmm. Overseed, you know, once we get a little bit warmer, it's a little early yet, but once it gets a little bit warmer, overseed that lawn again to help uh, thicken. To help thicken up, mm-hmm. uh, up the, the, the lawn, as well as when you've got dead patches, you know, fill them in. Uh, we actually have a really, uh, really neat new product that we've launched for for patching called Easy Seed, oh, yeah. and what that is, it's it's an all-in-one mixture of, of seed, starter fertilizer, and mulch. So you just lay it down, um, and and water Keep it, it in, moist, yeah. and it will will fill in the patches. And what makes it unique mm-hmm. is is our mulch. So we've we have a proprietary way of taking uh, coconut fiber, and we we turn it into these little pellets that will allow you to to grow. Uh, grow the grass using about half as much water as as typically if you would just put soil and and mm. uh, and seed down, which it was really helpful. You know, as you know, I wouldn't say it makes it totally goof proof, but but what it does <laughs> is give you the assurance that you're going to have much greater um, soil or, or contact, direct contact with the seed, which mm. you need some sort of moist growing media always in, in contact with the seed for it to germinate. So it's done that for you. And, of course, cocoa fiber is great for, for maintaining moisture levels. Yeah. So that's great. Okay, so easy seed. That's a, Now, what does it look like, the little brown pellets? When you say, I just had this vision of, of you know, looking like kitty litter or something on my well, lawn. It, it almost looks like almost like an animal feeder. Or, but, yeah. but And as soon as yeah. you water in, it, it's amazing how this will expand yeah. to multiple times. It just, it just It's like a sponge Neat. that goes from a small little area, and it just totally puffs up Neat. and will hold on to that moisture for, for an extended period of time. It's quite neat to see. Neat. So, I, I like the name. <clears throat> pardon me. I like the name of the new product too. Weed be gone. That's we, great. So weed be gone. Now, there, is, is there a product called Bug Be Gone? Yeah. So we have a we've we have a, a brand sort of the, that's what called I the Bee Bug uh, sort of the the Be Gone brand, and, and we have Bug Be Gone. We've got Slug Be Gone. Uh, uh, we've got Ant Be Gone. So it's, it is a brand that Canadians are are familiar with. Okay. Uh, weed Be Gone is, is is new to the to the Canadian market. Neat. Very brand, but I mean, it's pretty. Uh, we like it. It's quite self-explanatory uh, in terms of <laughs> what it does and what the benefit is. Shazam! We'd be gone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the next three to four weeks, we hope to see we'd be gone. Yeah, we're hoping. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to gear up. Yeah, uh, you know, so Today. we have it for the May long weekend. That's <laughs> that's sort of where our target is. That that typically uh, is a is a huge weekend for lawn and garden mm-hmm. uh, enthusiasts to get out there and 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 start working on their on their property. And the the product will be available in places like Home Depot. Yeah, virtually. Yeah, I mean it'll everywhere. The 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 anticipation of this has been been huge. So, virtually anywhere that sells lawn and garden supplies, uh, you're going to be able to find it. And they're going to be fighting for it as it's coming (laughs) out of the factory. They're going to be fighting for it. You know it. uh, (laughs) Everyone's lining up. (laughs) Well, congratulations to Scott and congratulations to you. I share with you guys first. Well, thank you. We love getting a scoop. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Take Take care. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio.
the new AM740. Need gardening advice? You've come to the right place. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, the makers of miracle Grow. And also, we'd be gone, too. That's yes, right. indeed. Write well, that down. Look for it three to four weeks on the shelf. Exactement. Uh, Frank Proctor along with Charlie this morning, and we're both saying hi to a very patient Susan waiting on the line in Ethel. Is that right, Ethel? Yes, yes that's where, right. Where is that located, Susan? It's about 16 kilometers northwest of Listowell hmm. and about an hour north of Kitchener. Okay, wow. yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a night. It's a naughty. It's so small. They just call it a hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The hamlet of Ethel. Alrighty. All right. what, what do you have for us? I have my husband and I bought a black-eyed Susan Ivy a few weeks ago, mm. and it's about four feet tall, and it's just beautiful. But it's starting to uh, become very brown at the bottom now. The nursery did say that may happen. Mm-hmm. But my question is, I'm not sure, when the weather gets warmer, we were going to put it outside, but mm-hmm. is this a plant that we can put in the ground and leave out all, all year, like an ivy, the, some of the ivies you see on the houses? No. This is an annual vine. It's commonly called Black-Eyed Susan Ivy. Mm-hmm. The proper name, if you want to Google it or look it up, is Thunbergia. So oh, all right. T-H-U-N as in Norway, uh-huh. and then Bergia, B-E-R. G-I-A. Oh, okay. Now, the, And it is an annual vine. It does need a full sun location in the garden. Okay. Um, it, um, just like all the annuals, it will certainly be a happy plant if it's given consistent fertilizing. Yep. Uh, and put into, you know, a reasonably good, well-drained soil. Mm-hmm. If you're starting to see a fair amount of yellowing on the bottom, it could just be because it is inside right now. So it's gone through some dramatic light changes. It would oh, have okay. been in a greenhouse. Uh, it was in a store briefly. Now it's, I guess, in your living room or your, on your porch, whatever. Yep. Once it's outside and it's in full sun, don't hesitate to trim back the tips. Of the plant, which will force some side branching and cause a little more dense growth. And you should eliminate some of that naked ankles that are going on, that will be going on once those yellow leaves drop. Okay, that's exactly what's happening. And we we were afraid to touch it because with ivy, sometimes you don't know. You start cutting things off and the whole plant dies. Oh, yeah, no, it won't die. It's it's very vigorous. Um, It's it's like growing, you know, have you ever grown sweet peas? Yeah. Same idea. It will grow just like sweet peas. It'll twine on to whatever you give it to twine on to and happily grow, you know, 10 or 20 feet in a year, but die in the frost. And okay, so we uh, we'll put it out on the porch, and then we'll bring it back in. That's again. right. Yeah, play it, go back and forth. Give it as much light as you can, but avoid anything cold on it until we're frost free. Keep it, you know, keep going back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Right now, it's the tendrils. We have it in the kitchen, and it's getting full light, but the tendrils are running amok in my kitchen. They're around. <laughs> they're around the chandelier and everything. So. <laughs> well, that's what you remind me of our first caller. She said the same thing. My mandevilla is grabbing me every time I walk by. That's right. Yeah, it has a life of its own. <laughs> Those vines do. <laughs> okay, well, that's wonderful. Thank okay. you so much. You're Thank very you, welcome. Susan. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Take care of Ethel for us there. All righty, at 948, we've got time to take another call here before we have to take a little commercial break. So, hey, hello to Al in Pepperlaw. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Uh, I've got a problem with the dafts, uh, daffodils on my front lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put them in, the bulbs in, uh, some of them, about eight years ago. And then over the years, I've added to them. Mm-hmm. Now, Usually we get about 20 blooms. Uh, year before last, we had 11. And then last year we had four. And up to now, I've got nothing. Hmm. Uh, now, last year, uh, not, not being a gardener, I went out and I put some liquid fertilizer on all the shoots that were coming up and nothing happened. Like I just had the four blooms, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I wondered if there was something I could do to <clears throat> make them flower. <laughs> well, usually, okay, the, the reason why daffodils don't flower, if you're getting green leaves but no flowers, it's because the bulbs are too immature to set flowers yet. Because remember, that's how it works. The original bulbs you planted, the mother bulbs, should still be there. So we'll talk about that in a second, what's happened to them. But the, the mother bulbs grow baby bulbs, and the little baby bulbs come up next door to the mothers and are attached uh, unless you dig them up, break them apart, and separate them. And the little baby bulbs take three to four to five years to be old enough, big enough, mature enough to have flowers. So usually when we plant daffodils for the purposes of naturalizing or, or filling in spaces and having the clump get bigger and bigger and bigger, we continue to have the mother bulb in there. It's just the little babies start to slowly but surely fill the space and come on as being more mature and flower. So the clumps do get bigger and the flowers usually end up exponentially increasing as well. So what has happened to your original bulbs is the question. Now, there's no animal that wants to eat daffodils because they are quite uh, toxic and poisonous. The one thing I'm thinking that could have happened is, could it be that there, it's um, a very moist location? Is it all soggy in the area where these daffodils were planted? Well, it's, it's not, well, this, it's on a slope, a mm-hmm. gentle slope mm-hmm. down to the culvert, mm-hmm. and we do have a willow in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not overly wet, no. No, it's not overly wet. But it is a spot where water drains, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because based on last year, where it kind of seemed to rain almost every day, the low spots in our gardens tended to be moist and never really dry out because we had just so much moisture coming from the skies. And bulbs do, uh, no bulbs, but particularly daffodils, none of them want to be in a situation where it's constantly moist. They rot very quickly. So well-drained locations is super important when it comes to bulbs. And I'm not talking so much in the spring because, you know, all plants need moisture in the spring and that's fine. But it's more like July and August that they absolutely need to be in a spot which is quite drought, droughty, dry, well-drained throughout the summer when they're dormant. Because if they're moist when they're dormant, they tend to rot. And I'm wondering if that's what might have happened. So what I would do if I were you is I would go out to where you do see little green shoots coming up and I would individually dig those up, dig down, pull the bulbs up and then just move them to higher ground. Bring them all together into one group and move them to higher ground and next fall maybe pick up another dozen or so just you know, simple mini daffs or regular daffodils to just start that again and just put it a, a spot that's sunny in the spring and well drained and you should be fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Al. Thank you very much. All right. Take care of Pepperlaw for us here at uh, AM 740-952. And we'll be back and have a chat with, uh, I think it's Rob in Hamilton, whom uh, we will speak to next here on Charlie Dobbins Garden Show. When you have a growing concern, ask the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbins, sponsored by Scott's, makers of Scott's Wild Bird Food. And we're delighted to welcome Rob from Hamilton to the lines. Hi, Rob. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Yeah? Yep. Yes. Go ahead. Good morning, well, Rob. I have uh, quite a few plants in the house here, and it's, they're called potho. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the the best one that I had was in the corner there. Mm-hmm. And the, the vine actually crawled up the wall and mingled with the hanging plant above it. Uh-huh. And then it goes across the doorway and back again. And it's been beautiful. Well, my wife's been gone 16 years, and I've been looking after them. And you've now, lately, a jungle, yeah? The one that crawls up the wall and mm-hmm. goes over the door, 
has been throwing yellow leaves, and now I, I, I've got just a vine left there, mm. no leaves on it. Right. Now, I had a Polish woman told me I was going to cut it down. She said, no, don't cut it. It, it will throw leaves again. And what I want to know, is that true or not? Uh, well, one thing you could do to try and encourage it to throw new leaves or grow new leaves would be to remove the tip of that long long vine that's going over the doorway somewhere is the end of it is on the other side of the room remove the tip just you know a half an inch or so with a pair of scissors okay and that will force the dormant buds that are along that stem to grow the oh. other the other thing that can help make it grow those more leaves is make sure you've got some consistent fertilizer are you uh, using being, uh, schultz is it uh-huh yep that's what i use every two weeks okay is that too much? They, do they recommend, like, are you following the um, the mixing instructions? Yeah, seven oh. drops per gallon, I think it okay. is. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. And I think they do recommend, at this time of year, every two weeks is fine. Just uh, don't do that year-round, obviously. That's well, a, I, I, I only water the plants every every two weeks. Okay, eh? so you're fertilizing. But only from March till September will you use fertilizer. From, the other thing... March till September? That's right. And then, like, in the wintertime, I shouldn't be using fertilizer. That's right, just water. Well, maybe that's what's happened, then, because I fertilized them all winter. Yes, and you could have a salt buildup, a toxic salt buildup in the soil as a result of the fertilizer being added and the plant not using it. So that would be my other consideration is, is there any possibility you could repot or replant the not pothos? Really. It's, it's an awkward situation yeah, there. I don't know how you could do it. I know it's very tough to do. Well, if nothing else, just with a tablespoon, you can very gently scrape out, when you look at the soil that the pothos is growing in, is it all kind of crusty and got kind of a white um, residue on the surface of the soil? No. No? Does it look nice and brown? Oh, yeah, well, brown or black. Brown or black. Because if it's very old soil, it's never a bad idea. Even if you can't repot the plant, you can very gently scrape out even the top half inch of soil, mm-hmm. put that outside, have some fresh potting soil to just um, add not only the half inch you've taken out, but recognize that the soil level has probably dropped in the last few years, so add three quarters of an inch of fresh potting soil just to the surface. That can help <laughs> as well. That's a big job. I got 81 plants. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, she was the gardener, not me. <laughs> that's a lot of plants to water. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, it's like the guys who, who paint uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. As soon as they finish, you know, painting it, they have to start all over again. You, <laughs> <Yeah>. b- <laughs> there you go with your, uh, your plant, plant eighty-one. My lord! <laughs> yeah, but they, well, they're not all in one room. And in this one room here, I got where I'm sitting right now. I think uh, <laughs> I'd hate uh, to pay your water bill. I'm telling you, forty-five right here in this room. <laughs> along well, the walls, like, you know. Okay, but any of them that are looking particularly peaked, that soil replacement idea can make a difference just to give them a jolt to get growing. Yeah, but all the rest of the plants are all doing good. I've one in the oh, corner. Okay, well, that one might just be, have, you know, need a little TLC and tip removal and stop, maybe stop fertilizing that one for a change. <laughs> I'll stop fertilizing them yeah, too. Eh? I would try that for and a month or so. I should cut the tip? Yes. On the at the end of the like, follow the vine to the end and yep. cut the tip. Exactly. And you think that helps? Eh? Well, oh yeah. Because I didn't believe that woman when she said all oh, those leaves will come back. Just leave it alone. And I thought that don't make sense to me. No, there are dormant buds in that stem. They may grow if you give the right conditions. I see. Thanks, Rob. Hey, keep keep okay, us informed. Thank you very much. Keep us informed, Rob, of how how it's coming along. Okay. <laughs> we'll follow the vine here. <laughs>
here on on the uh, the line to Charlie Dobbin. And, and look at the time here. We've you where know, does it I'm, go? There are folks waiting to uh, chat, but, know, um, but we we're just, out of time. We uh, just get chatting too much with some of our callers. Well, there you go. But <laughs> it's fun. It yeah. is fun. I mean, gardeners are fun people. Yeah, you got know, it. You got to admit it. They're they're friendly. They're fun. They always want to tell you a lot of details. <laughs> and we love hearing the details. Let me go back to that email that I didn't actually properly answer. The one from Margaret and Peter Robinson that had the. Uh, critters digging up their lawn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted to know whether clover was a good idea to substitute mm. for turf grasses. The answer is yes. Where do you get clover seeds? In the area where these people live, I think your closest would be your, your local co-op. You can buy clover very affordably affordably, in large bags, just white clover. Tr- broadcast water, it will grow and it will certainly not get uh, any kind of grub issues because clover is not edible to the grubs. So well. never a bad idea if grubs are a problem. There you are. Thank Charlie. you so much for all your wonderful support and Gracie as well. You guys are great. Thank you to all our wonderful callers for their good questions. And you're on for the next few hours. Yep. But uh, actually, we've got a very big special coming on just after the 12 noon news. Mm. Uh, the uh, concert that really was the birth of Greenpeace. Neat. And, well, all sorts of special stuff I'll mention a little bit later on, but it's going to be a biggie. Oh, yeah. nice. Well, good luck with that. I'll see you next week. Thank you. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.